You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, April 8th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or subscribe to the YouTube Lockdown Padres on YouTube, guys. And for those maybe watching on YouTube, no fancy intro video this time because for some reason, Restream isn't playing it. Very weird stuff, but it is appropriate, giving the disaster that occurred last night, guys. We got to talk about the Padres opening day. Just, I mean, it was lovely. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> like, you could not have, it's just perfect. It's perfect in so many ways, guys. We're going to be talking about the Padres blowing it. Going to start, of course, with you, Darvish, and his performance. Some other takeaways I had from the game and what they might mean as much as you can garner from one game, granted one game, uh, for the rest of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. I wrote down a bunch of notes. So uh, let's just get right into it. I know this is uh, a game that probably people are going to want to forget. But let's not forget what you Darvish did in last night's game, ladies and gentlemen. You Darvish last night was was pretty damn good, um, basically, from what I was seeing. I didn't really see anything that was crazy wipeout or anything and what have you. But uh, you Darvish was very good. Um, last night he went six innings, walking four batters and striking out three over the course of 92 pitches. Of course, that's not the greatest line in the world, but the key thing there, no runs, no hits. It was nice to see, um, a lot of walks there. Um, but even still decent for a start because we got to remember that you Darvish post sticky stuff post, you know, all-star break was basically a disaster in almost every facet. He had a couple nice starts against the Cardinals and Dodgers down the stretch, which was nice. But for the most part, he really did have a really rough second half of the season. So Darvish is one that I really want to be watching um, for sure. Um, but it must be mentioned that I have a three-start rule when it comes to um, starting pitchers because it's a long season. I like to give a full, more encompassing breakdown of the starting pitching about three starts in usually in terms of like whether or not I think that they are going to have a good season or what. And that's just a little bit of a rule of mine um, because it should be brought up. Hey, Corbin Burns yesterday struggled and that's the NL Cy Young winner, right? So that just goes to show you that sometimes the opening day starts can be a little bit weird, but nonetheless, let's talk about what I saw. If there was anything interesting, he touched 97 miles per hour a couple times on his fastball, which is an uptick over last year, which is nice to see. Again, it's the first start. Maybe it's an adrenaline thing. Maybe he's not actually going to throw consistently faster or anything like that. It's still start one. I'd be very curious to see if after that aforementioned third start, whether or not that velocity is still there. Still like to see it. Ten whiffs on his pitches last night. Nothing crazy, but again, the biggest thing is that the fastball was going faster. He was locating it top of the zone. They were mentioning on the broadcast, for those that were watching, that you Darvish's um, high and inside fastball has one of the lowest batting averages against in Major League Baseball. I did not know that, and that's very cool. Um, and I like that he kind of settled for just four pitches. He threw them a decent amount. Um, we'll see, because we know you Darvish is a tinkerer. Right, and you Darvish tends to maybe over tink, or there we go, uh, tinker a little bit too much sometimes. 
perhaps he should be focusing more on a few pitches that really work for him versus having the supreme pitch and the knuckle curve and the splitter and all these things. But last night it did work, which was very nice to see. But it should also be mentioned that, um, like I said, it's the Diamondbacks. Uh, it's still cool, but like I said, the literal Cy Young winner yesterday uh, had a rough outing. So you have to, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But you Darvish is still uh, great. And I I mean, that being said, with having to take it with a grain of salt, you uh, Darvish, better than Corbin Burns. Confirmed. Uh, right here on Lockdown Padres, everybody. Absolutely confirmed. Um, but the biggest thing is that it was a no-hitter until the bottom of the seventh after Pavin Smith got a hit off of Mr. Tim Hill, who I missed hearing that name and watching his pitch rotation so much. Uh, Pavin Smith gets the the first hit. And here's a tweet by Stats by Stats on Twitter. You Darvish of the San Diego Padres is the only National League pitcher in the modern era to throw six-plus innings on opening day and not allow a hit. Pretty cool, right? Pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool. Um, you Darvish, we are going to need him to step up. There's not really much else for me to say on that matter uh, because Darvish really, I don't think he was an electric, I don't know necessarily if this was a gem, despite whatever titles of videos may have because, again, it's not like he made a crap ton of people whiff. It's not like his he was throwing a new, new pitch entirely. It's almost like he did what was expected against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that, yes, they've got Dalton Varsho and Ketel Marte, and even Christian Walker has a little bit of pop in his bat every now and then. We're going to talk about Seth Beer later. Um, but nonetheless, it's still a Diamondbacks. Don't weigh too much into this. But I do think that the overall tone of the game is something that might be a microcosm of what to expect uh, for the Padres season this year, and that is very weak offense. Uh, only two runs in this game for the Padres, um, and, you know, it's just that's just that's just what happens sometimes. And I want to talk about the lineup really quickly. First lineup under manager Bob Melvin. Austin Nola was first, then Manny Machado, then Jake Cronenworth, then Luke Voigt uh, in the cleanup spot batting DH. Will Myers, the first baseman who must not be named, Jerkson Profar, Hassan Kim, Trent Grisham. My immediate thoughts on that lineup. First of all, let me just say it's first lineup of the season. I, in a lot of ways, don't care. Bob Melvin, manager of the year guy. Everybody likes him. Let him manage the team how he wants. Austin Nola had good numbers against Madison Bumgarner. So that was you know, probably a reason that he was batting leadoff, even if it is very odd. And I think that they mentioned this on the broadcast that it's very rare that you get catchers leading off. You know what I'm saying? Like, you better be uh, Jorge Alfaro, actually, because Jorge Alfaro is pretty fast. But uh, that's just a very rare thing to behold. And Austin Nola actually gets one of the only RBIs from the Padres in this game, which was nice going one for four. On the night, nothing from Machado and nothing from Luke Voigt. Although Luke Voigt did draw two walks, which was nice. Um, and same thing goes for Jay Cronenworth with two walks. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really giant to think about that lineup. I will say that a lot of people asked me with lineup things. We don't, we're not worrying about it right now. But people wondered why didn't Tati, why did Tatis bat first so often, right? And usually it was because there was a lot of reasons for that, right? It's a game flow thing. You see more fastballs to lead off to start the inning. And to start the game, especially. And Tatis crushes fastballs. So even if it's a solo shot, that's still a run. Or he's getting a double. Or he's getting a single. Or he's walking. Whatever. It's still good. And his overall numbers were great. He gets more at-bats. And then another thing to be uh, talked about is that he's fast. You know what I mean? You like to have a runner like that on base. Which is what leads into the game flow thing with fastballs. So lineup stuff is not as simple as putting your home run hitters in the fourth spot. Right, as we saw with Manny Machado going in the second spot, which is a little bit surprising. I'm very curious to see what Bob Melvin does with the lineup the next day, um, and I'm also very curious to see how the Padres respond to a whole lot of adversity 
ladies and gentlemen, uh, because they, who boy, did they did they let us down last night, uh, blowing the game in the bottom of the ninth, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, let me just talk to you about something real quick. Something that doesn't let you down, all right? No matter what the cost, no matter what happens, guys, that's Built Bar, ladies and gentlemen. They never let you down. This is the time for not giving up on your New Year's solutions. You want to stop eating the sweet tooth and eating so much bad stuff for you and gaining all that weight? Don't worry. Built Bar's got you covered. Check out the macros. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you are rolling, ladies and gentlemen. Just absolutely rolling. Absolutely rolling. And on top of that, what I love the most, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and great variety of flavors. How could you not want variety on top of the health? Most Built Bars, they've got all sorts of flavors. They got mint brownie, they got coconut almond, white chocolate cookies and cream. They got like some raspberry cheesecake flavors, apple almond, crisp cherry barcia, peanut butter brown. They have everything, man. Go check it out. It's great. They're kind of like the Ben and Jerry's of protein bars. And with that said, guys, go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Guys, once again, I want to reiterate, uh, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And let's keep it rolling because I got a whole other notes. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Padres decided to start off their 2022 season by reminding us of the 2021 season. All right. It was disastrous, but I must say a something that does deserve something that might go lost in translation a little bit. The Padres first hit of the game is a double from none other than the first baseman who must not be named. I mean, come on guys. I mean, it, it, that, that's just art. It's artistry. We've been dogging him all off season. AJ Preller is trying to trade him for anything that he can find. And then what happens? He's the first guy to get a hit, and it is a double. He rips a double, actually, which is very nice over to the right, uh, over into right field. That was lovely. It was, it, was lo- it was lovely. I absolutely enjoyed the heck out of it. I was wondering if people were going to tweet at me. And also, people did tweet at me, let me say, uh, saying, I thought we didn't say his name. Um, and that is true. I have made it more of a thing on audio and the podcast not to say his name versus on Twitter because, let's be honest, tagging and name searching is a thing and that helps the engagement sometimes. But I might make it. Uh, if he has another disastrous moment, then maybe I'm going to just say the first baseman who must not be named, including on Twitter. So we'll keep it for now, but it is a fresh start. It is a new season, even if this new season did start uh, the way every single season or I should say every single game towards the back half of the San Diego Padres in 2021 felt like the more things change, the more things stay the same. A quote that to be honest with you, I still don't understand that quote. I still don't know what it means, but whatever. Anyway, um, look, like I said, uh, grind ball gremlin, he gets the first uh, hit of the season, but I will say before we talk about the blow up, it is worth mentioning guys that like the Padres offense wasn't particularly good and it had a vibe to it. That was very, they're just, they're just kind of almost begging for the dying backs to come back. Right. You start off, you have the two-run lead. Austin Nola gets the one RBI of the game, as well as, uh, what's-his-face, um, Luke Voigt. But even still, it was very – it wasn't pretty. It's not like they had, like, a really nice hit. Trent Grisham was hitting the ball hard, didn't fall in for any base hits, unfortunately. Um, some annoying – an annoying strikeout for him late in the game, too, by the way. Uh, just 
catching him looking. Uh, so the offense was very, I think it deserves a little bit of blame too, because this is a game in which Bannis and Bumgarner started for the Arizona Diamondbacks only lasted three innings, guys, only three innings. He walked four, two strikeouts. He didn't look very good. They saw his pitches. They just were not able to lift them for any hits or anything like that with the absence of a couple people. And then Luke Weaver comes in for only two thirds of an inning, then Poppin and, and Olivier Perez and all these guys, um, no Ramirez, Mantiply, like I, you probably have not heard of these guys before. Uh, to get their starter out so early and to only deliver two runs against one of the projected to be one of the worst teams in baseball, projected to be, we are in a new season after all, uh, is is quite frankly pretty embarrassing. So I actually think that the offense is not going to get nearly as much crap, but they were just like when runners are on base, they're not performing, right? The San Diego Padres seem like such a thing of the past right this doesn't seem like a team that is gonna draw a walk and then you'll get a hit from Manny Machado for a home run it just feels like not to you know not that Machado needs to catch a stray or anything I don't care that he went uh oh for last night but it's just I do think that people are gonna forget the office they had opportunities to extend this lead as a three inning start for their opening day starter you gotta capitalize on that man again maybe maybe we're gonna find out that Luke Weaver and all these boys are gonna be an unbelievable bullpen this year for the for the Dimebacks. They have Mark Melanson. They have the Shark. It's, it's possible, but it's all should be brought up that it's it's kind of embarrassing for the Padres. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about really quickly was Hassan Kim. Uh, he managed to look like Hassan Kim from last year, and I don't mean that in a good sense. Uh, on the night, he goes uh, 0 for 3, but he does end up scoring two runs. He does get a stolen base, which was nice, so he wasn't awful and whatnot. And again, good things about Kim. Good, good speed right? Good base runner and amazing defense. There's still a reason he's on the roster. And I like that he was on the opening day, uh, opening day shortstop. We'll see if prospect CJ Abrams is going to start uh, in today's game. But with Hassan Kim, I noticed his first at bat, this is worth talking about, was pulling a lot of pitches foul. And the only reason, Grant, it's one at bat, but it is a microcosm of one of the fears I have of Hassan Kim. It's not just that he's not a great hitter, right? And my hope this year was that, I've said this before, 240 batting average, you know, 320, 330 on base. If he does that, combined with his defense, that's an excellent player to have on your team, especially for depth purposes. Like, that would be huge if Hassan Kim can learn how to hit. But just seeing him pull all these pitches, and weak pitches, by the way, from Madison Bumgarner, stuff that was very hittable, in my opinion. He wasn't throwing hard. This is not the Madison Bumgarner of old. And he was just pulling everything. I do like that he managed to draw a walk. That's great. I do like that Hassan Kim has a decent eye at the plate, I will say, uh, compared to most um, players just starting out. But pulling all the ball, Hassan Kim, for those who don't remember, one of the biggest pull hitters uh, on the team last year, and that's not a good thing. You do not want to be a pull hitter unless you're Jose Bautista. It worked for him. But for the most part, uh, pretty rough. Uh, I did not like that he was pulling the ball. I'm actually going to pull up right now his pull percentage from last year. Um, because it's up there in terms of, you know how the first baseman hit, uh, hits grab balls a lot? Um, Hasek Kim does that for every pitch when it comes to batting. Uh, except it's not going on the ground. He's pulling it to the left side. Means less hits, generating less potential power, and less potential ability for hits to drop and whatnot if you're only going to one side. Let me see if I can find his pull percentage last year. Don't think I could see it. 46%. Uh, last year that, that's that's not the best at one point it was like 51 percent. so he did lower it a little bit but that's a he needs more he needs a little bit more opposite field power he needs to do that less and that's just a note i have for Hassan kim going forward granted that was just one at bat and it was just one game um whew, um so there is an interference 
by Manny Machado that we need to talk about. Running, he hits a pop-up, an obvious pop-up, in another, again, runners in scoring position, hits a pop-up, he's annoyed, and he's looking down, and he starts running to first, and gets in the way of Christian Walker, who tries to make the catch. They both collide and fall to the ground. A lot of people are going to be defending or not defending and saying, Manny being Manny, dirtiest player in baseball, right? Like, all these sort of things. My take on it was, to be honest with you, I didn't know that that was a rule, that you have to, like, secede to the fielder there. Like, I didn't totally realize that. Um, But it's not... I think Manny was just upset, potentially, and he's just looking down, and all of a sudden he's looking up and the hit's there. But I get it. Unfortunately, guys, this is what we have to deal with because this is Manny Machado. And unlike the no-hustle narrative that I have dispelled over the course of this podcast which I hate that narrative because people have, and not to overuse the word narrative, by the way, um, I hate that people ignore that among players in baseball since 2017, Machado is in the top five for games played. I don't really care if he doesn't run out a grounder to first base because he's always healthy, right? He's always healthy. I love that, right? So that, I think, is a fake narrative. But in fairness, the dirty player stuff, like, he's earned that. So having little moments like this are going to cause people to sort of freak out and be like, this is the Manny being Manny again. And he's a dirty player and all these things. I don't know if there's anything particularly malicious to it. Uh, and not to mention it, you don't want to like make contact with someone like that. Cause you might get yourself hurt. So I don't necessarily know if it was a dirty play. Everyone's going to leave that. If you're a Padres fan, you're going to say no. If you're not a Padres fan, you're going to hate him for it. So there's nothing really worth talking about in that area. Other than the fact that I genuinely did not entirely know that the interference thing would come into play there. I just thought if he was running in the baseline, then technically and do that, but you can't, it's kind of like pass interference in football before the ball gets there. You can't really do anything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, uh, so that every, I guess we learned something every day, but it wasn't the only thing we learned. Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't the only thing. All right. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. We got to talk about it guys. But before we talk about all of that, um, and what have you, let me just say, let me just say, it's going to be a blast, ladies and gentlemen, to be betting on the Padres this year, to be betting on who's going to win MVP. I love Manny Machado's MVP odds. They've got all sorts of stuff over at betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. And, of course, they got you covered in every other sport, right? MVP for the NBA, that's going to be a big decision coming down. Who's going to win the title? You got hockey. You got baseball. You got you got everything. They got you covered on everything, you, including your favorite casino games. They got you covered, guys. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, again, thank you for making Locked on Potters your hashtag first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms all right let's talk about it let's talk about the debut of mr robert suarez a tweet from the san diego padres account now infamous because it showed welcome to the show robert suarez what does robert suarez do ladies and gentlemen throws a hundred right out of the gate which is the thing i've been talking about throws gas love to see that especially out of a guy that we don't know much about coming from japan's league and i thought and i've been saying it a lot off season so feel free to roast me in the comments, but I kind of liked that the Padres decided to go with more of the divvying up their salary when it came to the closer position because Mark Melanson was awesome. 
Um, but I like the idea of, all right, all right, let's bring in Suarez. Let's bring in Luis Garcia, right? Let's bring in two guys instead of one. The buying low on the relief pitching has actually been one of the strengths of AJ Preller in this uh, management group for a while. I mean, they found Melanson in the first place. They found Kirby Yates, right? They didn't go for Trevor Rosenthal, right? Like, they they know how to get the best out of their bullpen often not. They, the big purchase they made was Drew Pomerantz, who's unfortunately hurt right now. But anyway. Uh, Robert Torres comes into the game. After throwing 100, he misses. And then he proceeds to walk the next three batters. Um, one of them being a hit-by-pitch in a count that he had the chance to win, a 2-2 count, walking the hitter after hitting him intentionally, nearly killing the poor lad, uh, which was awful. So a really bad debut. And look, Suarez, there was some good vibes coming out of him out of spring training. So let's not use this as a reason to be done with the guy. He wasn't expected. He's not expected to be the closer for the future. That is supposed to be new acquisition. Taylor Rogers. Granted, I know some people have some complaints. They say, AJ Peller, this is the sign of a bad GM. How is it that we don't even know who our closer is going to be? Right. Heading into opening day and that you had to make an opening day, opening morning trade. Right. For Taylor Rogers. That shows that you just that this team is just you're trying to build it on the fly. It's a fair criticism to be had. Um, But Suarez walks three and then Craig Stammett comes in, who is becoming one of my favorite Padres. And here's why. Because he is the sacrificial lamb of the Padres team because he gets so much more flack from fans than he actually deserves. Uh, because he's getting paid a, a decent chunk of change uh, by comparison to relievers and whatnot. But when you look at like just the overall ERA, you know, 2018 with San Diego, 2.73. 2017 with San Diego, 3.14, right? You know, just as a reliever. 2020, he was bad because he had a lot of blowups in the worst um, worst spots, 5.63. And then 2021, 3.06. So he's not nearly this disaster that I think people make him out to me. Emilio Pagan, who is now a Minnesota twin, is a guy that's been a little bit more awful. But I feel like they always bring in Craig Stammen whenever things are going poorly. And they're like, all right, someone's going to give up a hit here. We're going to put it all on Stammen because at least he's making a decent living with his contract, I guess. I call him the sacrificial lamb of the San Diego Padres. He, of course, uh, wild pitch, gets by the catcher, Austin And then Seth Beer of the B-backs just hits a, a nuke, a similar, you know, a curveball to kind of breaking pitch that hangs up a little bit too much in the zone. He takes it yard. Reminded me a little bit of the Victor Caratini walk-off in terms of the pitch and whatnot from last season against the Cincinnati Reds. Victor Caratini, of course, no longer a Padre and now a Milwaukee Brewer, which, side note, by the way, the whole personal catcher thing, if anyone was wondering, hey, you Darvish worked all offseason with Austin Nola. Clearly, that didn't uh, disturb the chemistry, right? That the two of them looked fine. So that's not an issue. But uh, Seth Beer walks it off. Here's a tweet from Elias Sports Bureau. Seth Beer of the Diamondbacks is the second rookie in MLB history to hit a walk-off home run in his team's first game of the season. The first was the Rockies' Clint Barnes, also against the San Diego Padres back in 2005. Uh, yeah, guys, I don't know what to say. Look, one thing that does need to be mentioned is bullpen injuries right now, right? On top of the fact that Taylor Rogers isn't there, Luis Garcia, Drew Pomeranz, like, there are injuries. So I imagine in a perfect world, Drew Pomeranz is probably going to be the closer here. Or, and you know, here's the other thing. Some people might say, well, why didn't Pierce Johnson 
Get it. Well, Pierce Johnson is usually in a more setup role. Let's trust Bob Melvin. Let's not immediately get upset because maybe you disagreed with him bringing Robert Suarez. He was throwing gas, but the man was just nervous. It's his first appearance. I mean, like I said, welcome to the show. He's a little bit older, but even still, I root for him. I want everybody to take it easy on Mr. Robert Suarez. Now, I don't take it easy on the first base, but just because I'm like, look, you're getting paid so much money and like you're expected to do so much more. Like at some point, like there are worse things in life than to be able to be like, hey, at least I walk over $20 million this year, um, even if fans boo me sometimes. But that was really rough. Um, and it was reminiscent of past Padre seasons because it was three straight walks, including a hit by pitch, then a wild pitch from Stammen, which by the way, if some people are wondering, I don't blame Stammen. Again, he was the sacrificial lamb of San <laughs> Padres. When I saw the wild pitch, I just went, oh, God. And it's funny because right when we had the second walk, that's when I said, oh. I was talking to my mom. I was like, mom, it's happening. And I wish she recorded my reaction because right when they hit the home run, and it's a, it's a fly ball in the right field. It's great. It's great, ladies and gentlemen. I love it so much. It was it was such a reminder of the Padres from last season. Again, don't overreact too much. Um, I hope Suarez bounces back from this. Hopefully, he's not one of those guys that's just throwing super hard but has no control, no feel for any of his pitches, and it's just a speed thing, right? Like that he could throw 100, but is it really all that effective? It's not just gas on fastballs and stuff like that that leads to a good closer. I mean, Mark Melanson was throwing like 92 miles per hour last year, but he was getting people to sucker into those little sinkers and whatnot all day. So again, it's, it's a little bit more than that, but it is the first game. And like I said, lots of bullpen guys hurt. So that should be brought up, but I get it. People are frustrated um, on the Padres right now. And I am too. It was, it was really rough um, to watch the end of that game uh, for sure. Even though I did genuinely laugh uh, really, really hard. I thought it was genuinely pretty damn hilarious for the game to end like that, given all the expectations and what have you. But we got Shamanaya starting today against Merrill Kelly against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Can't wait to see that. I found it interesting, actually, that uh, Joe Musgrove wasn't the second pitcher up. Uh, but still, hey, Shamanaya worked with Bob Melvin over in Oakland. Makes sense, actually. And Manaya, I'm expecting a very good start from him today, actually. I think he's going to kill the Dimebacks, or at least I hope he does. Um, but keep in mind, guys, this Padres team, I mean, one of the fears is going to be they have to hope that their starting pitching really is legit with Manaya. Hopefully, Clevenger can be healthy. Darvish, Snell can bounce back. And whoever ends up getting fifth, right? Maybe they use Denelson Lamette as a three-inning guy some days. Maybe he's just a premier long-inning reliever, which would be fine if they could turn him into like a superstar closer or something like that. I'd be more than in favor of that. And then we got Nick Martinez, who looked pretty okay in the spring. His last outing, not as much. But even still, it's a really dynamite starting pitching rotation. On top of the fact, Mackenzie Gore was options AAA. But everybody, don't panic. This is fine. All right? They brought in Nick Martinez. Right? They're, they're, and they have Ryan Weathers down in the minors, too. This is going to be a tough rotation to crack. And to be honest with you, depending on how things pan out, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mackenzie Gore in, like, two months or something like that. Like, we might get the debut from him. He looked great in the spring. His He had the swagger to him. His pitches had an edge, a velocity, the fastballs care. So that's my, um, my thing. Do not fear or whatever, and we might get the debut of C.J. Abrams tonight, which would be a lot of fun, even if I'm not necessarily in full belief that they had to call him up now. I actually think that banking on Hassan Kim might have been okay, but maybe they saw something in the spring, and they said, I think this guy is ready, and he's ready to take the leap. Hey, there have been other prospects in the past, 
top level prospects that even though they've only been in double A ball for the most part, that they're just immediately ready. This happens every now and then. That guys don't need too long of a stint, right? I know Carl. I'm pretty sure Carlos Correa barely hit in AAA, and they called him up, and he was good immediately. So it's not impossible. So I'm expecting a lot from C.J. Abrams, but also prepared if he's still got a long way to go. Nobody freak out. Uh, it is just game one after all. But man, it was it was a delight. It was a delight, and I can't wait to watch Joe Musgrove pitch, who I feel like people are sleeping on a little bit this season, just because, you know. He had such a dyna- like a, a dynamite season in 2021. I think people are like, wow, really? From Joe Musgrove? He doesn't even throw that hard, but he's going to be awesome. He's going to be awesome, guys. So we're going to be talking about all that next week. Going to be breaking down the Padres rotation in its entirety uh, compared to the National League West. Going to be talking about that. And then, of course, on Monday's pod, we're going to be breaking down the last uh, three games uh, that the Padres play. That should be fun of this four-game set. It is a four-game set, right? Let me make sure I'm not crazy. Hold on. Yeah, four games set. Going to be breaking down the three games on Monday's pod and then Tuesday's pod, potentially. Going to be talking about the rotation more in depth. We have some guests planned, maybe some fun bonus episodes on the top 10 baseball movies planned. Uh, All sorts of things. All sorts of things I can't wait to do uh, for the season. But we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for better or worse. (laughs) San Diego Padres, baby. Can't wait to see what happens. Uh, But yeah, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Of course, as always, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I promise you it's there. Subscribe to the YouTube. We're like 10 subscribers away from 300. 300! Come on! Let's do it for Sparta and my man Zack Snyder, who's a film Twitter king. Let's do it for him. Get to 300 subscribers by the end of the weekend is kind of my goal. That would be great, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres. Remember, guys, it's only game one. Onwards! And until next time, stay safe. And, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful enemies.